If you have a child with type 1 diabetes, whether they were diagnosed five days ago or five years ago, you continue to have questions. These are the questions about the emotional side of living with diabetes, the questions about how to parent diabetes. I'm Joanne Robb, a psychotherapist and fellow T1D mom, and I've been parenting diabetes for almost 15 years. In this podcast, I'm here to answer your questions about the emotional and relational challenges that come with being a caregiver for a child with type 1 diabetes. Before we dive in, I have to remind you that I'm not a doctor and nothing that I offer here should be considered medical advice. If you want to make any changes to the way you or your child is managing their type 1, please be sure to check in with your doctor or medical team. Let's get started. Hi and welcome. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us all what you're here for and why you came on the show, how you think I might be of help to you. So um, I have a question. Um, uh, My daughter is 12, soon to be 13. Mm -hmm. She was uh, diagnosed with uh, type 1 diabetes when she was three years old. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, almost nine years. It's February. So Mm -hmm. I lose lose count, but many, many years. Mm -hmm. Um, And... uh, She's always had, uh, I guess, what you would label a strong-willed temperament. Mm-hmm. Um, any any boundary that's set, any rule, she just naturally loves to uh, push and test, which I think is going to be so wonderful as she gets older to be able to um, stand uh, up against the world, but it's always been a challenge as far as uh, parenting. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that's kind of come along uh, with that and and, uh, diabetes is especially uh, around food. Um, So just a little background for me. uh, I started actively restricting my intake at the age of eight. Um, I was never really formally diagnosed uh, uh, with any sort of uh, eating disorder. Um, mainly, I was just an individual, a child in a larger body. And so um, what I was asked to do, I was uh, following, um, but uh, then would sneak um, and had a lot of guilt and, and shame Um into high school, those behaviors uh, became more prominent, um, and I received a lot of praise for the changes um, in my body. Uh, Unfortunately, when I went off to college, um, that condition kind of switched to being more um, binge eating disorder, although back in uh, 1999, 2000, uh, that wasn't a condition. So um, (laughs) uh, struggled with that. Um, and it wasn't until, uh, my, I was pregnant with my daughter that I began to realize, um, I don't know (laughs) how to really take care of myself, let alone this other, um, independent little body. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't want her to go through what I have. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really fortunate to have a friend that um, had shared the work of Ellen Satter with me mm-hmm. and the division of responsibility and feeding. And ironically, like after my daughter was diagnosed, she had just come out with like a whole uh, like training series on, you know, helping kids with type one. Um, and so that just kind of became um, 
my my gospel. I tried to follow it um, to the best of my ability. Um, sometimes I wonder if that in and of itself became a diet and pressure trying to pursue that perfectly um, because my daughter did start um, to sneak food um, probably at about five or six. Um, I remember when she was in first grade, we used to keep glucose tabs on her um, so that if she had a low, you know, she could take one. Um, and she just ate them like candy. Like she loved them. And um, I remember one time her being like, mommy, I just, I can't keep these on me <laughs> or I'm going to eat them. Um, and that was, that was really interesting. It wasn't confrontational. Um, but yeah, always, always sneaking, always lying about food. Um, and then just me feeling like, oh God, like I've done this, like the cycle is repeating. Um, and she's also, uh, in, like me as far as body size. So she's, um, lives in a larger body. Um, I don't know. I think I held hope that as she went into puberty, maybe she'd naturally thin out, but she's kind of right on track with me, which is perfect and beautiful and wonderful. Um, and yet there's a grieving process knowing uh, how people in larger bodies are seen and treated, mm -hmm. which is completely unfair. The knowledge that if I cover my daughter with adequate insulin, I could be leading to greater weight gain, but then also struggling with thoughts of if I just restrict her insulin and she runs high, then all the doctors will be happy um, that she's losing weight and just wanting my kid to be happy mm -hmm. and healthy and thrive mm -hmm. with type 1 diabetes. Um, mm -hmm that's my goal and I don't want to screw her up along the way um on the positive side she's very comfortable in who she is I mean at least to me mm -hmm. she um does not seem to have any concerns about her own body diabetes you know at 12 can be a pain in the butt um yep. but in general she doesn't fight me as mm -hmm. hard about diabetes as she does other things um don't get me wrong like they're still like I don't want to bowl this or whatever but mm -hmm. it's not as hard as like clean up your room or mm -hmm. <laughs> turn in your homework um mm -hmm. which I'm really really um thankful my question is how do I support her especially when I feel like all I've done so far has caused harm I am really feeling for you, right? This is a lot that you're sharing. And the hardest part is you feel like as well-intentioned as you have been, you have a feeling that you've created something even harder for your daughter, even though like you set out from when you were pregnant with her to get this particular thing right, because it was so painful for you, right? And here it feels like it's going awry and, um, and you really want to get it back on track. That's really hard. So I want to break down some of what you said so that we can think about this together. It sounds like 
you struggled with eating disorder behavior and even eating disorder, which you got on track. And your intention was to create a household for your daughter where she didn't have to battle with food. And you're naming so beautifully how hard it can be to live in a larger body. I love your language around it. It's beautiful. And you are as accepting as you can be of yourself and you're loving and accepting of your daughter. And you know from having lived it yourself that there are hurdles. And that's true. There are. The world can see people differently and be very weirdly judgmental. Someone said to me once, we can't be prejudiced about anything anymore except body size, which is true, right? It's just true. People feel entitled to make a lot of judgments about people based on the size of their body. So you're trying to protect your daughter and starting at five, you said she started to sneak food and you're seeing those behaviors still sneaking, you're saying, and lying about food. And, um, and you also said, and I, I wanted to slow down into here. You said, uh, I could restrict her and the doctors would be happier about her weight change. So are you, I mean, this is a sidebar. This is like not the main question I am thinking about, but I just need to clarify, like, do you have doctors who are saying she needs to lose weight? Um, yes. Yeah. Actually, when she was diagnosed at three and started insulin, um, the first words out of their mouth was be careful. You know, you need to watch this weight trend. Okay. So I, I, I mean, this is not the main issue, but I think if it's possible, it would be wise to find doctors who are more, have more weight acceptance because yes, is it true that, (laughs) that insulin can cause weight gain? Sure. Is that what most children are told when they start on a course of insulin with type one? No, absolutely not. What we know about body size and type is we're born a certain way. There's a wonderful piece that you can look online called Poodle Science, which um, you're nodding like you know it. Um, But for our listeners, it's, you know, talking about how everyone can't be the size and shape of a poodle, right? That we're Great Danes and Mastiffs and Chihuahuas and like people come in different sizes. And we only have so much control over that right? There's a lot of mythology in our culture that says, you know, if you work hard and basically restrict, you can uh, be the appropriate, I'm putting that in quotes, size and shape. And it's just not true. And as you know, very well from your own experience, restriction is the root of eating disorders, right? And so what you've tried to do with your daughter is not restrict and have a healthy and happy relationship to food, And it sounds like your doctors are giving you not very positive messages and doctors are not trained in this often. Like they get lots of wonderful training. We don't mean to throw them into a ditch. However, knowing about this is like not high on their knowledge list. And um, so I'm going to recommend at, you know, from the, this is like nothing, but I think finding a doctor team who can embrace that your daughter came larger is going to be important, right? And if you can't, talking to them about it and getting helping them get some education about it. Um, but I want to rewind to this idea of sneaking. Um, 
because when you said she started to sneak food at five or six, she ate all her glucose tablets. Then you said that she said, mommy, I can't have these on me. That doesn't sound like sneaking to me. It sounds like she was eating and she recognized that this was maybe not the best thing to do, but it was so, it, she liked the sweetness so much, right? That she couldn't help herself. So I wanna back up to that story and those moments from when she was little, because I wanna see where the language, right? Your language is about sneaking and lying. And I'm not sure I'm hearing sneaking and lying. So I just want to be clear about what I'm hearing. So help me understand that. Yeah. Um, I listened to the last podcast that posted of yours and I actually have started changing that language oh, this morning. Um, okay. You asked about the story and I'm mm -hmm. answering the wrong question. That's okay. Um, <laughs> um, I guess like that's just what you see on like Facebook and things is not like eating without dosing or a child taking their own initiative to mm -hmm. feed themselves mm -hmm. uh you see sneaking and then when you term it sneaking and then have a conversation obviously they're gonna lie because they don't want to get in trouble mm -hmm. right they want to um I was actually listening to something that said like a lie is meant to preserve the relationship or children lie to yeah. preserve uh, the relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm, I'm sure, even though I try to, to conceal all of my baggage that my daughter's probably well aware <laughs> of where my sensitive points are and um, doesn't want either to hurt me or um, to fracture our relationship or have a fight. Mm -hmm. um, and so obviously then she will deny that she fed herself um, and didn't take insulin. Um, I don't know, like any other, I think pre-adolescent, there was a phase where she would just like randomly bolus herself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, like the number's high, I'm going to bolus myself or I ate something. I'm not sure how much I'm just going to bolus myself. Mm -hmm. I want to go sit in the nurse's office and read in the, you know, read in the nurse's office. I'm going to bolus myself. <laughs> um, right. Really, really smart intelligence uh, kiddo. Um, so yeah, I guess she was getting herself fed on the glucose tablets, which then is, is tricky because obviously you need something to treat a low, mm -hmm. um, uh, but finding, uh, that, that balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it sounds like it's evolved. Like when she was little, she was telling you and, um, and when she was little, was she eating it? And then saying, I just ate all my glucose tablets, mommy. And you would dose her, no. So she she would eat it and then she'd go high and you'd say, hey, what happened there? And uh, she'd say, I ate all my glucose tablets. No, she wouldn't tell me. <laughs> I mean, we'd find like empty, yeah. Uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh. So there's been a way that she's felt some sense of shame all along about the fact that she's eating. So yes, so yes, you're absolutely right. Um, the statistics you are quoting, it's actually from the talk that I gave that you just watched. Oh, that was your talk. <laughs> yes, that was <laughs> my so talk, funny. right? I know. I really like it. I think the statistic is like 97% of kids lie to their parents and the reason they do it is to protect the relationship. 
I want to, I want to phrase it a little differently. The reason they do it is they don't want conflict with their mother, <laughs> right. Or father, but you know, they just don't want conflict, right. It's uncomfortable for them. So it sounds like what's happening with your daughter is that she's eating. Like, I really want you to put me as a fly on the wall so I can see what happens in those moments. Like you see that she's 300, right? And then you assume she's eaten something, right? And what happens? Like, well, how does the conversation go? I've been trying to work on it. So I'll, I'll like, originally, like, what did you eat? And she's like, nothing. I promise nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, well, I, you know, that's not what this pattern looks like. She's like, I don't know why. I don't know why it happened. I just, I didn't eat anything. Mm -hmm. um, then of course, like I find like wrappers all in her, her backpack and mm -hmm. under her bed and in the couch and, and everywhere. Um, and so it's hard to trust. Um, and I'd like her to be honest, like at least just be honest. And what do you say to her me. about that? I guess trying to talk like, are you afraid I'm gonna get mad? Like I just want I just want you to be honest with me. Mm -hmm. I can't help you if I don't know. Um, she does also have a diagnosed kind of uh otherwise specified like sensory um mm -hmm. <laughs> condition. So she's kind of naturally avoidant anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like any any big feelings or emotions just kind of lead to a major shutdown always have like if there's a weird social tension in a show she's watching on tv she'll fast forward she'll leave the room like it just overwhelms her greatly to feel conflict or feel at at odd which makes it really tricky <laughs> to parent okay and that. she's working, she's yeah. working with a child psychologist as well. Um, and her psychologist said, like, they can't talk about food. She just shuts down. This is tricky. And this is not going to get unraveled quickly. Right. And it is also, um, you're heading into some of the hardest years for her. I think middle school is really particularly developmentally hard, not just about food that that can be hard at a lot of years, but just in general, like middle school's rough. <laughs> um, so let's just hold that carefully, right? And with a lot of compassion for you. I have lots of compassion for her, but for you, right? Because this whole, um, this whole profile is pretty triggering for you. And um, this whole situation is hard. And I wanna just be compassionate to you that you're working, I mean, your first words were like, how do I support her, especially when I feel like all I've done so far has caused harm, right? Which is a really hard feeling, right? Especially because from my perspective, you probably didn't cause any harm. You have a child who might be wired to have struggles in this area, right? There's a good amount of research that eating disorders have a hereditary component, yeah. right? And um, she came in a larger body, which already caused difficulty, right? I, I'm, I'm in shock and kind of angry at the doctor for saying, you know, you better be careful about giving her insulin. Like she just got diagnosed with type one. That's what she needs, 
right? So you're getting already, it's just hard from the get-go, right? And, and so I want you to kind of um, loosen up on this idea that this is your fault, despite your best intentions, right? Because it, it's um, making it harder for you and that stress is just going to add more tension to the mix. I'm not saying like, unless you ease up, it's going to continue to be hard. I'm saying like, let's get it easier, as easy for you as we can, because it's already hard, right? Does that make sense? It does. And what we know about diabetes is that there is a higher risk of eating disorders because eating disorders arise from restriction, right? They don't arise from my thighs are fat, they arise from, I'm restricting my food because I feel like my thighs are fat. And then because I'm restricting my food all the time, I'm craving food more. And that's what the start is of all of those crazy behaviors. I mean, some people can develop eating disorders just through restriction, like without any thoughts about their body. Like there can be eating disorders that arise from people being on, you know, restrictive diets because of medical conditions, right? And in a way, that's what diabetes is, right? For many, many people, um, parents, uh, and I have a, the Sweet Talk snack course to address that very thing. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more answers. One of the hardest things about diabetes is the food. Your kid has to eat but there's so many foods that send them high or are tricky to dose for. And at the same time, you don't want to restrict their food choices. You want them to be able to feel like every other kid. To help you navigate the many challenges of food and eating with type one, I've created the Sweet Talk Snack Course, a free mini course that gives you six bite-sized lessons to support your T1D kid in having a healthy relationship with food and eating. Sign up for it at Diabetes Sweet Talk Com. I want to release you from the feeling of guilt, right? Because there's a lot that's kind of working against your daughter and that's tragic, but it's not your fault, right? And so you feel like you set out from the beginning to do this right, which is lovely. And as parents, we can never do that. <laughs> right, we're doomed for the start, right? Just the task is not possible, um, right? There's always ruptures. Uh, and um, and so I wanna release you from this idea of like, I got it wrong, this is my fault because that's just too heavy for you. Your daughter had a lot, frankly, and sadly working against her and uh, body size, the genetics, and now type one right? That's a hard load for her. And so what we need to do is be as compassionate as we can and think about how you can help support her as best as you can, but to untangle it from like, I mom did something wrong because I'm, I'm actually not hearing that, right? Can there be ways that you can think strategically to improve things? Yeah, always. And that's always our job as parents is to think, okay, this felt sticky and yucky, do we keep on this course for a while or do we see if we need to change course, right? So I wanna pause there and see how that lands for you. Uh, it lands well, probably easier said than done. I do work with my own therapist and um, guilt is one of my favorite um, 
things to hold on um, to, but it definitely gives me something to go back mm-hmm. to, to my therapist to, to mm-hmm. work through. And it does, I need to let myself off the hook if for no other reason that holding on to the guilt is not helpful. A lot of times I can't find a way through for myself. Mm-hmm. but if it impacts my kid then I'm like oh okay I can mm-hmm. I can see that's not helpful okay so I need to not feel guilty because it's not going to help me in parenting her that mm-hmm. I might be able to get around to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I can hear that right and and I want to name too that we have this idea like when our children are born we're we're very merged with them and it takes a while for us to untangle ourselves from our children and recognize how much of what, who, uh, how much of who they are has nothing to do with us, <laughs> right? They, they are who they are and we can help with those things, but they have their own path and struggles. And believe me, this is not me saying, unclip your seatbelt, don't parent them. They're on their own. <laughs> You're on your own, kid. Not at all, right? But it's just to say to you, you don't have control over everything. Like she came out strong-willed. She came out wired for type one. She came out in a larger body. Like this is what you have. None of that's your fault, right? So I love that you can um, release yourself from some of the guilt on her behalf, but it's just another way to think about like how this is not your responsibility. Like you didn't cause this. And I see you taking a breath and your shoulders just went down. So that's good. (laughs) Um, So I want to think with you about what you might be able to do right? And how, if there are any changes you can make, right? And it sounds like for your daughter, one of the things that seems really important actually is she has really thin skin around the topic of food and other emotional uh, topics. So to me, actually, one of the most important things is going to be to help her like get to the gym and do a little bit of a workout. So her skin isn't so thin in those areas, right? Cause she has to be able to turn towards the things we all have to be able to turn towards the things that are hard. And so she needs some like exposure therapy. I'm not recommending that as a course of treatment. I'm, I'm, I'm using that language as a way to think about this, right? Like she needs little bits of exposure so that she's not turning full away from it every time, right? And I think, I'm curious about what you stock your house with, we'll go to that in a minute, but you're seeing all these wrappers and things around. I don't know where she's getting that food. And it sounds like you have wisely switched from saying to her, like, what did you eat with alarm to turning the volume down on that question, right? I think we know, right? She's eating without dosing. She has some shame about doing that. And she has some fear about interacting with you. And she has an avoidant relationship to the whole topic, right? Mm -hmm. So I would just be explicit with her without, um, like the first step to me is to be explicit with her without requiring any response, right? To just say, hey, sweetie, I'm noticing the wrappers. I'm pretty sure that's why you go high. And I know it's really uncomfortable for you to talk about it. I'll dose you now. I know it's hard for you. Right? I'd start there. Because even that is a small intervention that 
that like puts her into her discomfort zone probably, right? But only a little bit, <laughs> right? We don't want her so dysregulated around it that she has to turn away. We want her to have some teeny exposures where she can maybe engage with you. Like, so maybe actually you could say to her, hey, you know, I see the wrappers. I'm pretty much, I'm guessing that's why you're high. That's fine. We need to bolus. Did you want to do that? Or do you want me to do that? Right. So that she has to engage in some way. There's a choice point, but it's not a big engagement. There's no discussion about the food. You're naming that, you know, that you're with her, that you see it, that you're calm, right? You're not coming to her all dysregulated. Like, why'd you eat that? Right. This is fine. I might also say to her, hey, I'm noticing a lot of wrappers for whatever, M&Ms. Did you want me to have that in your lunch? Would that be good? Would you like that? Right? I don't know what you're, you know, like I'm thinking this child likes sweets just because she ate her glucose tabs. And so I don't know if you are, are offering her sweets because I think she needs to be offered sweets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell me how all that lands. Yes, absolutely. And we've tried to always, um, be really intentional, um, with sweets. It's funny, her four-year-old brother, uh, he's almost five, he'll be five next week. He lives in a very lean body and he actually has more struggles with sweets. Well, I guess he doesn't sneak, uh, but I mean, he's the one crying if we don't have dessert every single um, day, which we do usually have mm -hmm. some sort of, of sweet either at snack or at um, dinner. Mm -hmm. um, and that can change from, you know, we still have Easter candy or we'll have M&Ms, we'll have cookies or we'll bake cookies. Um, in our family, uh, we grew up making, uh, uh, we call it uh, finger jello. It's jello, then you add um, extra gelatin. It makes it almost like a gummy bear. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll use sugar-free there. Or we'll do sugar-free pudding. Like I'll, I'll make those adjustments, mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't seem to change their enjoyment. Like she's like, I don't want to drink a regular soda. It tastes weird. Mm -hmm. um, so trying, and but I know that's also like a valid values thing for me and pressure to try to get um, less of that. So I, I felt like I've always been really intentional about not making it forbidden. And I guess that's part of why I take it so personally that mm -hmm. even though I've tried to be really intentional and I guess where I pick up the guilt is obviously I didn't do it right or I didn't do it enough. Otherwise mm -hmm. she wouldn't be, you know, sneaking. So yeah, we have those things. Um, you know, we have a structure of times to eat. And so if it's not time to eat, it doesn't matter if it's an apple or string cheese or M&Ms, like it's just not time right now. And then um, a low blood sugar would be a treatment, right? So we would have applesauce or juice or pixie stick or glucose tab, but that's not a planned time to eat. We wouldn't like, we wouldn't skip lunch or we wouldn't skip snack because we had to treat a low. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm hearing the Ellen Satter work woven in there with the time to eat. I wonder if that might be part of the restriction for her. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, again, I think asking in small ways, 
you know, tap, and I'm, I'm using my finger because I'm feeling like we want to tap on this and see where you can get some engagement with her, where you can get some comfort with her. So it sounds like saying I'm finding the wrappers might actually be more about time restriction, right? Or that's a possibility at least, right? Like that model is wonderful. Um, and I'm super curious about the type one piece because I didn't know she has a whole teaching component on that. Okay. I'll have to look at that. Um, but it sounds like for your daughter, she's wanting to eat at other times. And if you're saying we don't eat an apple or string cheese at other times, maybe she needs more permission. I do not know, right? But maybe that feels to her like that doesn't work for me, right? And, and I wonder if um, she might need to have more uh, voice in how it happens. The tricky thing for me is the division of responsibility and feeding is the only thing that's kind of kept me anchored. And so, you know, you're talking about unraveling the ball. Like if we don't keep with structured times to eat, I feel like the entire, like there's a house of cards and everything's going to fall, which sounds so dramatic. Like, why is that so dramatic that mm -hmm. just revisiting times to eat then makes it all seem like it's going to come apart. Um, but it does for me. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is hard because you have your own history with and relationship to food and you've created something that um, allowed you to feel safer and allowed you to parent in a really appropriate way around an issue that was very hard for you. And it might not work so well for her right now. And this part of it, I don't know, right? Like I can't know what I can do is make suggestions of places you can tap to see, right? So I do think as a, as a next step, what I think is important is to make explicit what you're seeing, right? To not keep it hidden. And I, I love that you're saying to her, you know, I just want you to be honest with me. For whatever reason, she doesn't feel comfortable doing that. Right. So I would, I would be naming all of that. Right. And that's really hard when we have children who are dishonest, that it just is, is mind blowingly difficult for us. Right. But to say to her, you know, I'm noticing the rappers, I'm noticing that it's really hard for you to be honest with me about this. You and I need to figure that out. I would walk away basically at that point. I wouldn't ask her to engage. I would keep dropping off those kind of statements. And you might even say to her, when do you want to talk about it? Right? Like, I know this is hard for you. What would be a good time for us to pick this up? What's best for you? Right? Giving her a lot of control. Yeah, I see a smile with that. Her answer is never. <laughs> yeah. No. And then you say, oh, sweetie, validation, validation, validation. I know how hard this is for you, but I don't want this to be a problem for you. And so we need to figure this out. And being dishonest with me doesn't work. Right. So that's where you're kind of holding a gentle line. So that's one thing I might figure out. And the other thing I might figure out is, and just ask her, like, is this thing about having times to eat? Does that, is that hard for you? Is that something we need to think about adjusting? Right. Again, even if, even if she doesn't have a good answer, even if it's a little challenging for you to ask that question, I feel like 
you and she need to be in a dialogue so that she can get more comfortable with thinking and talking about this, right? And so that is serious baby steps. You're not gonna see magic, but we need to build her skin to be thicker around this because somehow it's really, really thin right here. And I do wonder if it would be helpful. Does she know about your eating disorder history? I've shared bits and pieces. Um, I guess it's tricky because I think if I shared too much, she knows like the, the history with my mom and I and how um, my mom was with food and I've kind of been the, tried to be the opposite and how that led to me feeling bad about my eating and lying to my mom and all those kinds of things. I don't know that I've specifically named mm -hmm. um, my eating disorder. I'm also the oldest of three with both of my twin sisters also having, um, eating disorders as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're genetically screwed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, challenged. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's something to say to her too, right? I think there's a way to say this without it being burdensome. I think there's a way to say it, but where you're saying to her, like, I know this is an additional challenge and sometimes this might be coming into our relationship and it doesn't belong there. But I think sometimes like I've created some structure around food because I thought that was best. I'm not sure what's best for you. I know this is hard. I have my own history here with food and eating. You know, you know, parts of that story. And I think I bring something to it that I'm still trying to work out to not make it harder for you. But I can see that we have a similar pattern, you and I, to my mom and I having where you're not being honest about food and there's something that happens there for you that's hard. Right. Again, I wouldn't expect much from her, but I think continuing to name her experience so that she hopefully can start to pick up and name some of it on her own seems helpful. How does that all seem to you? It seems good. I think I've gone about things in, in the wrong way a little bit. Like I've had conversations like you doing this makes me feel like I'm doing a bad job. Mm-hmm. Just so sorry. I don't know why I'm laughing. I think it's just been too much emotion. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable when you like face off with something as a parent where you're like, oh, I could have maybe done that better. Right. Like <laughs> it, that laughter feels like, ooh, ow. I, you know, like it's uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. Yes. Of course. Because when you say that to your daughter, you're saying, please protect me by doing yes. right. Yes. Right. And we don't want to do that to our children. No. It's not their job to protect us, not no. until we're old and very frail. And that's not the case here. So yeah. there's always room for repair, right? You go in and just say, you know, I think I've said things to you that are not helpful like this. And I'm so sorry. Right. And what I want to say to you now is that I can see this is really hard for you. I don't understand all the why, but it makes sense to me that you're struggling to tell me what your experience is because I've been asking you to protect me, right? And so we need to change that up for your sake. And I'm working on that so that we can change that for your sake. How does that seem? It sounds good. When is this going to be posted so I can listen back to it over and over again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably in the you know, I don't know, a week and a half or two weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. Yeah, that's cute. 
Uh, yeah. Well, here's the other thing is that I always, it's not happened yet, but I always encourage people to come back on. Like it's a narrow, you know, this is not a one and done as we know with all of these issues, they <clears throat> morph and change as our children grow. And as we try things and they don't work, right? And you're welcome to come back. Thank you so much for coming on. It was really helpful. I like, it just... I feel like emotionally I feel a lot and I haven't retained everything. Um, I know I need to kind of have a conversation about boundaries and then have, a, or, uh, sorry, times to eat in our structure, mm -hmm. uh, which is scary because I don't mm -hmm. know what that, what that then looks like. What does that mean? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. um, um, and then just doing some, some repair and kind of trying to help her, um, toughen um you know build build a little bit thicker uh skin yes absolutely sounds like you've taken a lot thanks again for listening today if you want answers to your questions about parenting a kid with type 1 i'd like to invite you to join our live recording sessions so you can ask your questions in person not only will you get the support you need and deserve but through the podcast, you'll be helping other T1D parents to know that they're not alone with the challenges they're facing. To join one of my live recording sessions, simply go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. Again, go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register.